Okay, well, we are continuing in our series on one another. Uh, as you know, for our summer preaching time, one of the key features that we have is having members share their testimonies. It's really one of the highlights of our summertime, and so we're going to continue with that. And this morning, we're going to have Dan Tan call out someone very special. If you don't know who Dan Tan is, he is our anointed drummer uh, in the back. And so we are going to roll this tape. Here we go. Volume up. I would like to call out my parents, who are Jim and Nancy Tan. Uh, when I was chosen for the One Another testimony, um, I thought about them and how they have blessed me my, throughout my entire life and still continue to bless me till this day. First thing I can think of is when they moved us from Singapore to Canada um, all while working really hard and uh, working multiple jobs along the way. Yeah, I guess now that I'm older, I really see that as a blessing because um, my brother and I enjoy a great life here in Canada. When I imagine being in my parents' shoes, I think it would be quite stressful and it would be really difficult and uh, uncertain. So, yeah, I really uh, give them a lot of props for doing what they did and doing it how they did and yeah they have really provided a lot of uh, things for my brother and I that um, a lot of times we take for granted but uh, those are really important things and those, we, those are things we should uh, always be grateful for. Something I would like them to know is that even though we, as in my brother and I, don't uh, say you know, how we appreciate all their hard work and all the things that they've provided for us that as we've, we've grown older, or for me as I enter into uh, the adult life that you know, they, they, they've been doing things in a very superhero type of way to provide us with a lot of things that we just take for granted for that are very, um, a lot of nice-to-haves and a lot of things that we should be more appreciative of, whether it's through just words or showing through actions or um, making a video like this. If I could tell them one thing, I would say that I'm really thankful for just all the times uh, that they've just provided things that we never asked for, never thought of, or never realized was super important and uh, really hard to get. Sending us to university and um, making sure that uh, we have good food on the table and making sure that we have all the things we need. Uh, whether it was for school, whether it's for our work, and just supporting us in 
uh, every passion or every uh, outlet that we would like to pursue and I think that's something not a lot of parents have the opportunity to do for their children and I think you know even though they may want to they may not have that chance to and I think that's something you know I would like to carry on as I uh, become a parent myself in the future and that's something that I will always remember. I've just started to realize uh, how much hard work goes into uh, raising family and raising children and being a full-fledged adult. As I start entering into the beginning stages of being an adult, um, those, those are things that came to my mind and those are things that you know, I really think about and think, wow, they, um, they are really like superheroes like when, they're, when all these kids talk about their parents as superheroes. You know, they've really taught me the majority of who I am and what I know today. They are the ones that have really molded me to be who I am today. So when you guys receive this video, uh, just know that I was very nervous, <laughs> um, but I hope you guys uh, enjoy the video and I hope you guys uh, respond with something. And, uh, and I Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. Proverbs 22.6 Good morning, Five Stones Church. Mom is Nancy. I'm Jim. Our son Daniel had a one another testimony, and he has called out his parents to respond to his testimony. When Liz first emailed us, my initial reaction was, wow, this is how my son repays me by sabotaging us. Liz asked when she can receive our testimony. I told her eight weeks. She laughed really loudly and said, but today, assertively, you see, six minutes of sharing in church is the equivalent of eight weeks of work for me, one minute per week, an extra two weeks to edit the video. This is our first time recording ourselves, editing the video. And also Nancy reminded me, better do a good job because it will be posted to YouTube for all to see. So much pressure, I wanted to opt out. But my wife brings me to my senses. She reminded me that many kids will not tell their parents how much they appreciated them. So here's our short video, reply to our son, and a little footnote for all our church brethren who are tuning in. When we first became parents 26 years ago, this verse has been our guiding principle. There is one caveat, that your child actually listens to your advice and instruction. God gave us a free will, remember? The commandments, the do's and don'ts in the Bible are very helpful to teach. It is the unspoken don'ts that are harder to explain. For example, telling a white lie is not okay. Smoking weed is not good for you. Anyway, I think we did good judging from Daniel's testimony. We have to walk the talk. We have to reflect our transformed lives. God has called us to be holy and love one another. We are not perfect. We fail many times, but that makes us our life testimony genuine for our kids. I would like to encourage our church members who are tuning in with these challenges. 
if you are a child, learn from your parents who love you more than you can imagine. Heed their advice, their input, their preaching, their experiences, especially with God. If you are a young parent, know your Bible well, learn from the Holy Spirit how to teach your kids to be godly and loving to one another. Honor your parents, spend quality time with them, show up with your kids and spouse to celebrate holidays and special occasions with grandpa and grandma. Finally, I believe God gave us children so that we can truly appreciate and know the heart of the Father. The pain, the joy, the character training, the obedience and rebellion, and grace and mercy. Likewise, we need to be making it a habit to spend quality time with our Heavenly Father as we bear an effective witness for His glory. As I watched the video, it touched my heart and brought joy to my soul. It is a blessing and a joy to raise you and see how you have matured into this responsible, sensible, kind and humble young man. We know you truly appreciate the small and big things we have done for you. As a mom, I appreciate that Daniel often seeks our opinions before making decisions. We are proud of what you have accomplished and thankful to God for his blessings and favors upon you. Remember God's goodness and continue to serve him faithfully with your gifts and talents. Be the light and salt wherever you go. Raising children in a new country was not easy. We couldn't have done it without the church community. We were so blessed to be in a cell group when we first started with families that have children around the same age. We wanted to thank John for his mentorship, love and support for Daniel. He has been a great influence in his life. His years of friendships meant a lot to our family and I know John is always available when we needed his help. When we joined Five Stones Church 16 years ago, Daniel and Matt Gao were the youngest kid then. These two grew up together, served in worship, went to camp together, and have become really close friends. We are very thankful to Pastor Rich and Mimi for their love and support for Daniel. They are always ready to help when we needed their support. They have raised four wonderful children, and Heidi is like a big sister to Daniel, giving him advice and encouragement. In closing, I wanted uh, to say to Daniel, in life we have to make many decisions, some more important than others. Always pray and seek the Lord before making decisions. This is speaking from experience. Never be afraid to try new things and always and afraid of failure. Failure can be painful and discouraging, but we will always be here to support you. We love you. And we want to thank the church for giving Daniel and us the opportunity to share in this one another testimony. Thank, thank you. you. God bless you. So good. Yeah. Jim and Nancy, are you out there? Oh, yeah, there you are. How did it feel to watch it on the big screen with your church family? Daniel, was it good? It's good. It's good. All right. I think your dad is outdoing you in video production. Don't worry, Jim, uh, the video is going to look great on YouTube. 
I'm sure our traffic and views are going to spike up exponentially. <laughs> but thank you, Dan, for calling out your parents. And uh, thank you, Jim and Nancy, for your heartfelt response. You know, from these two clips today, I want to draw out the theme of honoring one another, as uh, Daniel did with his parents. So let's just have a quick prayer. Father, we thank you for just seeing the honor that comes out, Lord, how the generations are there to support one another. We thank you, Father God, that they picture something for us today that we want to look more deeply into. And so we ask your Holy Spirit to continue to breathe on us, continue to give us your life. We thank you for your word, and we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Romans chapter <coughs> 12, verse 10, says, Honor one another above yourselves. That's how it's put in the NIV. And the ESV even says it in a more colorful way, outdo one another in showing honor. To honor someone is to give preference to one another, to give preference to another person's needs over your own personal needs, like deferring to another's choice for a meeting time and location, allowing person to go ahead of you in line, including them maybe in a decision-making process, asking them for their opinion. Honoring is protecting someone's reputation and not gossiping or making disparaging remarks about them behind their back. Honoring is saying thank you to teachers and policemen, nurses and bellhops for their service. Honoring people is powerful. Did you notice how touched Jim and Nancy were by their son? Just a little touch of moist eyes and a little glistening. So special, so special. Well, what makes honoring so powerful? Why does the Bible teach us to do this to one another? Well, stepping back for a moment, when we talk about the one another's, we're talking about horizontal power. How do Christians relate to one another when they say they worship and follow Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world? What makes us distinctive if that's our profession and that's our confession, that we love Jesus, that he's our Lord and Savior? How do we relate to one another when we say these things? How does that faith translate into something visible and tangible? What difference does it make to follow Jesus? Well, the one another's provide an answer to the world. The way we treat one another bears witness to the reality that God exists, that he is real, and that he is transformative. This is why, in part, the early church was so powerful. They had horizontal power. They were tapped into God. And over and over again, we get, are given these beautiful verses which speak to that power that they had. The Bible paints this picture of them being of one heart and one mind taking their meals together with gladness, day by day in the temple, praying together. None of them had anything in need because they gave to make sure that each person, person's need was fulfilled. They even sold their homes and lands in order to make sure that the proceeds were sufficient to make sure everyone was taken care of. And the Bible says as a result of how they treated one another, day by day, God was adding to the church those who were being saved. And I think that's what the world is yearning for. They're yearning for a community that elevates and helps them to see something different than what they're experiencing. And where are they going to see that elevated experience? It must be in the church where we are transformed by the power of God that as he fills our hearts, the way we respect and love one another is completely different. 
Acts 5, it says, more than ever, believers were being added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. I hope every church across the city, which are lighthouses for God, begins to come alive with the power of one another. So that as those who don't know the Lord come in and begin to peer in, they see something which is compelling. The early church's horizontal life bore mighty corporate witness to God. This is what one another does when we practice it among ourselves. It creates a kingdom culture that pictures heaven on earth, a place where Jesus is in the midst of an earthly people, an exciting place to go to and to be a part of. Fifty-eight times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used. Love one another, care for one another, encourage one another. And so today, today we're looking at honoring one another and why it's so powerful. So let me walk us through uh, a few reasons here. Number one, honoring is heaven's form of manners. Did you know that God himself honors us? Of course, we're called to honor him as king of kings and lord of lords, but he also honors us. Now think about this seemingly insignificant verse from Mark chapter 14. It refers to Jesus' last week on earth. It says Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were two days away. So in the Jewish tradition, Passover was a big deal. It's when, when God spared the Israelites and brought them out of Egypt and God giving us this prophetic picture of saving a whole nation. And now Jesus was going to be the literal picture of God passing over, the blood being on the door, and that he would come to save us. So Jesus is two days away from dying. And it says the chief priests and the scribes were seeking to arrest him. And to kill him. But the verse in, in number three, verse three, it says, While Jesus was in Bethany, he was at the home of Simon the leper. Jesus was staying in the home of a leper in the last week of his life. And can you imagine Simon's, he would have said, you want to stay at my house? I have a communicable disease. You want to stay with me? You don't want to stay in a five-star hotel? You don't want to stay in a place that will pamper you before you're about to die? But Jesus said, no, Simon, I want to stay at your place because it's where I feel most comfortable. Can you imagine how Simon must have felt? The last place that someone would want to stay before they die is in the house of a leper. And that's where Jesus wanted to stay. We have problems with COVID-19, but Jesus was like, nope, I'm going to sleep in the bed of a home of a leper. But what if the sheets or what if the beds or what if the ball, uh, walls have you know, leprosy on it? But think about how Simon must have felt and how honored he must have felt. God was honoring him. And Simon was able to tell people, I hosted Jesus the night before he died. He slept right here. Actually, this verse is a very powerful one. In the coming days, I'm going to be talking more about revival, what God wants to do in the city. And this verse actually opens up in many, many different ways. But for this morning, I want to refer to just how Jesus honored Simon. And what does this say about Jesus, the Son of God? Isn't he amazing? Would you stay in the home of a leper if you knew that you are going to die in a few days? And yet Jesus honored him in this way. Jesus honored every single person from every part of society, from the religious leaders like Nicodemus, 
to the super rich, high net worth individuals like Zacchaeus, who later repented of his white collar crimes, to the mentally deranged like the demoniac, to the blue collar fishermen, his apostles. In Acts chapter 4, it describes them as being uneducated, to the shame filled adulteress, to little children to foreigners, the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7, and to the emperor. Jesus treated everyone with respect. And so we are to do the same. No one had better manners than Jesus. He knew how to honor people. I mean, the Bible says that in the last days, God is going to reward us. The parable of the talents tells us he's going to reward you and me for our faithfulness, for our labor, for our sacrifice. He doesn't need to do that. Isn't getting into heaven as sinners and living with him forever good enough? Indeed, it is. But he's going to honor us. He loves to honor us and show us how proud he is of us. Second reason why honoring is powerful is it touches the recipient at an emotional level. It makes a person feel good on the inside. Think about Jesus with the woman at the well the Samaritan woman, those whom the Jews ignored and left outside. But Jesus was engaging in conversation with this woman. No discrimination based on her, gen her gender. No discrimination based on her race. No discrimination based on her past. This woman had a very seedy past. And Jesus knew because the Holy Spirit gave him inside information about her life. But he didn't say, oh my goodness, I can't talk to that woman. She's had all these husbands. She has a bad reputation in the city. I'm not going to go close to her. She, Jesus did not respond like the Pharisees and Sadducees and kept himself at a distance. No, he drew near to her. Jesus made her feel whole just by talking to her. He was moving in pure love. And can you imagine how she must have felt? just aghast, amazed. And in fact, that's how the scripture records a reaction. How is it that you're talking to me? Number one, a man. Number two, a rabbi. And number three, we're not in Jerusalem where we can have religious experiences. She felt liberated. The sensations that she was experiencing on the inside was something she had never experienced before because she was honored by the humble carpenter. Now, this is why racism is so corrosive and so destructive and so objectionable. It degrades people, denies them their value, makes them feel, not think, feel less than. Making them feel discounted and rejected and cast out. Yesterday, I was catching up on some sports news, and I read that the German Olympic soccer team they were having a friendly game, warm-up game with the Honduras team. And I guess on the field, one of their black players was hurled a racial epithet. And so the German soccer team said, that's it, we're walking off the field. They canceled the game, they walked off the field. Good on them. Can you imagine how that one black soccer player felt? The entire team had his back, walked off the field, didn't care if it was an Olympic game, they just said, we're with you. That's honoring that black soccer player. And that's what honor does. It, it validates someone's personhood. 
their worth, their contributions right at their core. This is what Jesus did. He knew how to make people feel embraced, understood, and brought in through honoring. A couple weeks ago, my wife Mimi organized a surprise 60th birthday party for me um, in which I was completely surprised. included many friends and even two of my daughters flying in from the States on the very day that uh, the COVID travel restrictions were lifted for Canadians. And uh, all that work to arrange this party really touched me. And Mimi went the extra step of having each person share something about me. And their words of honoring me just touched me in my heart. And those feelings act to encourage and to edify, to build us up. And those are feelings that we take forward into the future in a powerful way. They fill up that reservoir of encouragement that we all need. And that's what honoring does. It doesn't tear us down. It fills us up and it builds us up. That's what Jesus was doing with the woman at the well. Can you imagine the feelings that she carried forward into the future? If you read the back half of the story, we know she became a mighty evangelist. Just because of that one feeling of being honored, she was totally restored and redeemed, and she went and talked about the goodness of God. That's the transforming power of honoring and loving one another. A third thing about honoring <clears throat> is that it creates unity and flourishing in a community. The early church had such a powerful culture of honor. And how do we know that? Because of how they created a social net for the Hellenistic widows in Acts chapter 6. So Hellenistic refers to the Greek-speaking widows. In the church, as it was growing by the thousands and thousands, widows were coming into the kingdom. Those who were Hebrew-speaking widows were taken care of because they didn't have husbands, they didn't have provisions, and the church was pouring out its finances, so they had this social net that they could create for the widows. But the Greek-speaking widows, a subset of those widows, were left out of the distribution. And so the complaint went forth, but the apostles, how did they respond to this situation? They didn't say, well, they're Greek-speaking widows. They're not really part of us. We can't include them. That's not what they said. Instead, they honored those widows by including them in the daily distribution of food. This made those widows feel included and part of the community. The early church's social action and charity acknowledged and honored this small group of widows. It alleviated their pain and created flourishing and harmony. Honoring one another is a very tangible act, but it also leaves a sweet-smelling aroma in the air. It's a powerful atmosphere creator. So people may come into this church, people may come into other churches, and there's just something in the air. Well, what contributes to that fragrance? What contributes to that aroma? All the little deeds of loving one another and honoring one another. There's a culture here. Though you can't see it visibly, you can feel it. You can smell it, and you can see it. And that's so attractive and so powerful. Honor creates that unity and flourishing in the community of faith. Honoring one another is also an action form of humility. So Paul says it 
this way in Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility count one another as more important than yourselves. It's a powerful phrase. Count others more important than yourselves. I remember meditating on this verse as a young Christian. I'm thinking, okay, how do I do this? My natural reaction was to try to just, you know, put myself down. But this is not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about lifting up others, not putting yourself down, counting them more important. Do you have a hard time honoring people? That might be a clear sign that you have a problem with selfishness and pride. It shows how insecure you are that you can't honor them. You can't lift someone else up. You can't praise them. You feel jealousy or envy, and you can't enter into their joy. You prefer to tear them down or at least deny them the praise that is due them. But Paul says in this verse, do not do that. Rather, in humility, consider one another more important than yourself. And then Paul doubles down on this thought because in the verse right after that, he says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You need to be concerned and interested in the affairs of those that are around you. How are things going? And not to just be absorbed in your own life. When you get together with friends, do you just talk incessantly about yourself? Do you ask questions of the other person? If you just continually talk about yourself, that means you're just stuck on yourself. You're being rude. Show care for others. Listen to them. Let them process. Validate them by listening well. This is what Paul means in part when he says, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Well, then Paul triples down on this thought of honoring in the next verse. Because he says this, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is how God acts. Boom. God's not afraid to honor us. And we should not be hesitant or reticent to honor each other. When we make our needs, our wants, our preferences, desires, resources secondary to others, we honor them. When we give someone that last cookie, tell them to sit in the seat with a better view, give them a coat to wear when it means you will be chilly, or eat at a place that you don't really enjoy but they do, you honor them in practical ways. That's showing humility, that you prefer them above yourself. I have a funny story about Pastor John and how he was roped in to help with the surprise birthday party. His assignment was to distract me, which I didn't know, uh, for a whole afternoon so that preparations could be made at home. <laughs> We're going to have lunch, play some golf. And when he picked me up, he said, hey, where do you want to go to lunch? It's your birthday. Somewhere where we can talk, where it's not very noisy. And for some reason, my mind went to IHOP. I said, yeah, let's go to the International House of Pancakes. And I could see John's face ever so slightly go limp. <laughs> you, could also, you, you could almost hear him say on the inside, I hop. And, and it was like he was saying, I hop wouldn't be my choice, but it's Rich's birthday, so okay. 
But I decided to rescue John. So I said, how about Red Robin instead? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he was happy about that, so off we went to Red Robin. But I want to give props to John because he was ready to honor me for my birthday and fork over $30 of his own money for a second-rate meal. <laughs> but in the end, he didn't have to. Burgers and not pancakes ruled the day. So these are little ways, but they're meaningful of how we can care for one another, honor one another, make our preference secondary to those that are around us. So I want to summarize these four points and say that honoring is powerful because it comes from the Godhead. It's a picture of God's very personality. What God has us do on earth, God does in heaven. Honoring one another is what happens in the Trinity. The Father honors the Son. Remember that scene in, in Matthew 17 where this transfiguration and Moses and Elijah are there and then all of a sudden they're gone and what does God say to the disciples, the three key ones? Listen to him. The Father was honoring the Son. In John 5, God says that he judges no one but he's given all judgment to his Son. We see how also the Son honors the Father. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. The Son also honors the Holy Spirit. When Jesus got up in Nazareth in that pivotal moment in the synagogue and he said, my time is now, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why did he wait for 30 years? He was already a prodigy and a savant at the age of 12 asking questions of the rabbis and the teachers of the time, and they were amazed at his answers. He could have gone into ministry at 12 years old. But no, he waited another 18 years until he was 30. Why? Because he was honoring the timing of the Holy Spirit. Now is the time. Now is when the Spirit is upon me. The Spirit also honors the Son. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All the things that I've preached to you, all the things that I've shared with you over these last three years, yeah, you might forget them, but fear not. The Holy Spirit will bring them back to your memory. The Holy Spirit honors my words and will speak them again to you. And then in Acts 1, we have the Father and Son delighting in the Holy Spirit, sending the promise of the Father, the baptism coming upon the whole church. Honoring one another, the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, the Spirit to the Son and the Father. This is a way of life among the Trinity. This is how they relate as a community. God practices what he preaches to us, which he always does. So you have this incredible, virtuous circle between the three. And that's the basis and inspiration for us to honor one another. It flows from the Godhead our natural family the fifth commandment honor your father and mother that your days may be long that's the first commandment paul tells us that has a promise honoring is so important to god he put it into one of the ten commandments and the first one with the promise and the natural home the natural the nuclear family is to be our training ground to learn how to honor one another to honor our parents and we take that value we take that habit and we bring it into our lives as we grow up and as we mature. But we see this progression. It comes from the Godhead to the nuclear family to the spiritual family, you and me. 
the church. And then ultimately, it goes out to the world. So this phrase is so simple, but it's so powerful. And let's really give ourselves to it in these days. Outdo one another in showing honor. So God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for just how these simple concepts are just packed with meaning. And we see today, God, how it just comes from you. It flows from you. And we, your sons and daughters, we, the church, the bride, we're recipients of this grace. And so we want to covenant, Father God, to embrace this in our midst, to make it a core part of our culture here at Five Stones Church. And maybe as you were listening to this message, you were thinking of ways that you were not honorable, but you were dishonorable. That you didn't do something that was very kind or very respectful. And you need to think through maybe going back and how you need to honor someone or to repent for how you've treated them. So we just wait on you for a moment here. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. just hear the Lord saying that some of us have spoken words that were harsh, that tore down, and it requires some repair, requires us to humble ourselves and to make amends, to go back, and to say how we were dishonoring to other people. This concept of honoring is, is so powerful. It's from young to old and old to young wealthy to poor and poor to other people, brown to yellow and yellow to black. And so, Jesus, we just want to enter into the fullness of this. Holy Spirit, grace us afresh to honor one another. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, your love just breaks down the lies that that fill our, our, you know, just fill our lives, Lord. You know, I was just, as Rich was speaking, there's so many verses and things, everything he says, you can take the word honor and love and you can flip them because they're, they're such a close concept to each other in many ways. But where I was really struck today was just that racism, classism, the, the world will try to break us down into groups. It will try to divide us. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I was struck by the vision that even as a kid, we're taught to sort things by shape and color and to, to put all the things that are alike together. And the Lord doesn't do that. He celebrates the uniqueness. He celebrates the creativity of his mind. He celebrates the fact that he made each one of us different. And when you read these one another verses, you know, it's really important to remember that these cross barriers. This is not, you know, th as much as this is church member to church member, as this is family member to family member, this is you to the people you pass in the street. One way of honoring them could just be to say hello as you walk by. You know, it's a, it's a form of address. It was a, a polite thing to do, and it's not done near as much anymore. But these are the things we can do to honor and to acknowledge people. 
And I think the, you know, the illustration of the widows really saw this in terms of you had a, a, a culture, the Jewish culture that had a built-in mechanism to take care of widows that had no way to provide for themselves. And they were doing that. They were doing an admirable job. There was nothing wrong with that. But God called them to more. He said, well, what about these widows? And, you know, the church at that time could have said, well, that's, that's not our problem. They're, they're a different culture. Let their culture take care of them. Let, let that community take care of it because they would have had their own Greek or Hellenistic community as well. But God said, that's not my culture. And so I think that's one of the things God's calling us is that when we hear these one another's, this is God calling us out of our traditions. He's calling us out of our culture and he is calling us into his so it's so important to see how did Jesus how did Jesus approach these people? How did he serve onto them? How did he serve another? Because he was just that embodiment of how God wants us as humans to treat one another. So Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we just thank you for just the powerful voices that were raised in worship to you. Lord, we just thank you for Ben's heart that just went out this morning in worship, just calling out um, to you. And we just thank you for that, for just that vertical highway that we have to you, Lord, where you speak into our lives and you come down each day to be with us, Lord. But we also just thank you that you taught us how to take that love, to take that honor. We can love because you first loved us and we can honor because you have honored us. And so we just pray that as we go through the weeks to come, Lord, you would just show us how to show honor to all of those around us, Lord. You know, those that are easy to honor and, and also those that are very hard to honor, Lord. Let us show us the way that we can speak into their lives because we know that's what you would have done and we know that when we speak into people's lives in the situations that are the most difficult that is where you are, and that is where you speak into them the most. So, Lord, we just thank you this morning. We just thank you that, once again, we just praise you for just the joy and the celebration that we can gather together in, in person and in number. We just thank you for that blessing. We just pray this week. Amen.